and uh, it's going to be a great morning. So if you are aged under 11, you are heading out for Kiss Church. And we also have an unmanned crest for noughts to free. Wonderful. Are we ready for the word of God? Well, it's my joy to invite our teaching pastor, Pastor Chris Kluwer. Don't want to stumble, do we? <laughs> but um, but we do want to press on, and uh, and that's the title of, of what I'd like to speak to you about today. Um, I was um, thinking of uh, Becky's message on choosing the right gate, and I thought, well, if you've gone through the right gate, the next thing is press on. So that's where the Lord took me with this. Shall we just pray together? Gracious Father, we just thank you now as we come and we want to gather around your word because, Lord, not only it is a book, not only it is a text, but it is the living word of God. We read that every word is inspired by your Holy Spirit, that you put these words in these pages so that we can lift them out and bring them into our minds, our hearts, and our lives. And we pray that you're going to do that this morning, Lord. Bless your word to us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to the book of Philippians, if we could just pull up the first bit of the text, chapter 3. Um, it'll be up there on the screen, you may want to follow it in your own Bible, but, um, uh, but, but here it is. And um, we're reading from, uh, well to start, with, we'll read from verse 7 to 14 altogether. It's not a long passage, but it's such a, a, a tremendous passage of scripture. Um, and this is how it starts out, verse 7. What things were gain to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's where our passage starts today in Philippians. And in earlier verses, in verses 4 to 6, Paul had gone through a resume of his life. I guess we've all got a kind of resume of our life, but, but Paul's began when he was born. You know, and so if I ask you your life story, you may start, well, I was born on this day sort of thing. But actually it was more than that because he says at eight days old, I was circumcised as a member of the nation of Israel. That's what they had to do for all the boys and that's what happened to him. He said I was circumcised on the eighth day, that I was uh, born into the tribe of Benjamin, that uh, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That's what he describes himself, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. The keenest of the keen, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he says, as touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Pharisee, they get a bad press in the Bible, but what it actually means, the word Pharisee means one who is separated, one who is set apart, and, and that's a, a, a message of holiness, really, to be set apart from the world. And they did set themselves apart, they just overdid it in some areas and were hypocritical in other areas, so they got a bad press. But it wasn't for lack of enthusiasm that they were a Pharisee. He says, I was touching the law. I was a Pharisee as for zeal. Oh, my goodness, he said, I was so zealous. 
I was so zealous that there was a new kid on the block who threatened our existing wonderful religion and way of life. I wanted to try and get rid of that new block and that new person and, and all who followed him. His name was Jesus. And he seemed to get a following and it seemed to be threatening what we were doing in our lives of Pharisees. So he said, regarding zeal, I even persecuted the Christians. And we read how he was there when Stephen was stoned. He didn't throw the stones, but he organized it. He said, I'll hold your coat while you do it. Said that they laid their, their, their coats at the, the feet of a young man called Saul, as he was called then, and Stephen was stoned. And so here was Paul saying, I was the keenest of the keen, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I followed it with all my heart. This was me, and yet it was flesh, and I had to count it as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, because he had had a terrific change in his life. Here was the man who used to persecute Christians who became a planter of churches, and, and he was filled with this newness of life. Now, when, when Jesus met him on the Damascus Road, what he said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, Saul. What's a goad? It's a pointed stick that they used to prod the heels of mules or donkeys to get them going the right way or going faster. And so they'd, they'd goad them, they'd pred them. We use it differently now. If we goad somebody, we try and wind them up, don't we? <laughs> the original meaning was this sharp stick that prodded the heels and got them going. And it says, it's hard for you, Saul, to kick against the goads. You've been kicking against me. Saul, you've been kicking against my will for you. You've been kicking against my calling for you. You've been kicking against what I want you to do, and it's hard for you. And so God stepped in with this blazing light across the sky, which blinded Paul with a voice that came out and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So he had this awesome change of heart where he, he just had to leave behind all that he had been in the flesh, which was so secure and so zealous, and put it behind him for something that was so much more. And it talks about the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. He'd followed all the law, but not having that, but that which is through righteousness in Christ. How wonderful that when we come to him, he cleanses us from our sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. He makes us so clean that what he can pour into us is his Holy Spirit. If he didn't clean us, he couldn't put his Holy Spirit within us. It would defile it. But he does. He's cleaned us. Holy Spirit within. And then it says he clothes us with robes of righteousness. I wonder if we feel that when we get up in the mornings. You know, one of the things we're told and we, we sort of glean from Ephesians 6 is put on the armor of God, isn't it? Don't go out into your day without having your feet shod with the gospel of peace, with your helmet of salvation on, with the sword of the word of the spirit, truth girding you and, and all those things. But we walk with a robe of righteousness, and that is so much more glorious and wonderful than what, um, than, than any righteousness that he had in his own. And, and so we find this, that um, Paul, Saul, found that his old ways counted for nothing, even though they were so substantial, and that he was going to step into something new and, um, and, and had to lay aside all of those things. 
So we'll move on to the next slide and carry on the text where it says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And so this life which he stepped into is a life of resurrection. He wanted to know the power of the resurrection. Now, what we, what we gather as we read through this is that there are actually two resurrections. There's the resurrection which is from the dead, and there's, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's to die on earth. There is another way, actually. It's called the rapture. You know, it might happen. We might have uh, 75 holes in the ceiling, and up we go. We don't know. Could even happen today. But, um, God, but, but primarily, and for all of these 2,000 years that have gone by, the hearts of believers have changed from time into eternity, from, from, from their mortality of life into eternal life, through a passage of death. In fact, um, many of you will have known Linda Poynton, who went to be with the Lord, like, I think it was two days ago. I know, I know Dolores knows. Yeah, so men, known to many of you, gone to be with the Lord. And we rejoice with that, don't we? We, we feel for the family, but we rejoice with that. And so um, it's, it's this passage, you won't get to resurrection unless you go through death. But actually, it isn't just pie in the sky when you die. There's steak on the plate while you wait. <laughs> because death and resurrection is what can happen to us in our Christian lives. Now, two weeks ago, I wasn't here. I was stood up on the hoe helping take the service of remembrance. And... Um, uh, and uh, uh, the person who had been invited to do it was the Archbishop of Canterbury, no less, Justin Welby. So he came down and he was doing it as well. And because Justin Welby, the chief bishop, was there, we didn't just have the chief of Plymouth Police, we had the chief of Devon and Cornwall Police. He had come as well. So what happened up on the hoe that day? Well, Plymouth did its best stroke worst. <laughs> and it threw down rain for the entire hour and a half that we were stood up there. And I got very, very wet, but I did not get as wet that day as William and Jabbo and a couple of others who went through the waters of baptism and said, Lord, I'm going to that place. And what is that place? Dying to self and rising to new life. That's what that place is. And um, uh, I, I know they'll have... They'll have immersed themselves in the scriptures as well as the tank but just to remind us in Romans 6 and verse 3 to 7 it says as we are baptized into Christ we were baptized into his death and this is the beautiful picture of baptism that as we go down we are laying down our old lives under the water we are cleansed and as we come up it's to newness of resurrection life when we were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we walk in newness of resurrection life. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Sorry, it says was crucified with him. It's a past tense. It's a done deal. Uh, we just have to appropriate it. Appropriate it. Our old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be done away with 
and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We sing a great song about that, don't we, Alex? No longer slaves to sin. And um, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. And so you have this wonderful pathway that baptism illustrates that that the stake on the plate while you wait is the resurrection life. And what we have to ask ourselves is, Lord, is that what I am living in? Actually, it's a crucial, crucial factor. Every day, am I living in the resurrection newness of life, which you have brought me into? Because if I go through death to self, and it's only through death that you can have resurrection, bodily to heaven, but in this world, to lay down the flesh to lay down the sin, to lay down the old life, to rise to the new one. And what Paul found was that it was his strengths and his successes which lingered. Maybe it was easy to let go of the failures and disappointments and sins that he'd said, well, you've washed me clean of those, Lord. But he was so strong in the way he'd been brought up, and he had lots there. But he said, those things, those things I had to count as nothing. And maybe that was the harder thing to let go, the things he was good at, um, the things which really made him somebody. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, zeal to the nth degree. That was me. No, you've got to let it pour for the excellence of what is beyond, which is so much greater and so much more. Um, uh, I get involved with a business meeting for um, Plymouth leaders um, called Plymouth Area Business Council, but they invited me as representing faith, so I go there. And they have a meal, and they had this meal out at uh, one time, and they invite a speaker, and the speaker they invited was Terry Waite. There's probably a name which rings from the past, Terry Waite. And, um, and I went along, and I was very interested to hear what he had to say. We had the meal, I had a little chat with him before, as did others, and then we heard what he wanted to say. And uh, it wouldn't surprise you to know that he talked about being a hostage and what it was like. Uh, for him and, and how he got through it and all those things. And I got back and I talked to Donna and I said, well, we had Terry wait and he told us about this and she has a bit of an expression. She says, oh my goodness, is he still dining out on that? Because what it's saying is, well, what came next? What came after that? You had all those experiences. You had all that learning. Well, where's it gone to? How has that impacted you? How has it impacted your area? How has it impacted the world? And, 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 so, and so there's something waiting on the other side, which is so much more. Not dining out on the old, not the old successes, but letting go of that because there's so much more. And this passage in here, in verse 11 says, if by any means I might attain to it. And that's what Paul was trying to do. So we could go on to the next slide where we pick that up. Because in verse 12 he says this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I, here's our subject today, I press on. I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. This is incredible. Um, I checked it out and um, found out that uh, Paul wrote this in AD 60 as one of his prison letters to the Philippians. Paul had been saved soon after... Um, 40 AD, did I say AD, BC? Can't, can't remember, but anyway. 40, uh, it was soon after 40 AD, he was saved. This was 60 AD, he was writing this letter. He'd been a Christian about 20 years. What sort of Christian had he been? An 
oh my goodness, this is the Apostle Paul, this is you going out, missionary for God, doing all those things, I've not yet attained, he said. I'm still needing to press on. I thought, what does that say to us? When the Apostle Paul says, I haven't attained it, I'm not yet perfect, I'm still needing to press on, that I may lay, lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. And in that phrase is the most important um, goal uh, and target that we could ever have in our lives. When um, I'd love to hear, Steve, what you were saying earlier about pressing on, about the lady who pressed through the crowds to get her touch and her healing, of Zacchaeus who pressed up a tree because he was a short man. I don't do that. I just do this. <laughs> I'm walking around the supermarket, and I get a little voice saying, oh, I was just waiting for a tall man. Could you get that? Yeah. You get the same thing. We know how it goes. Yeah, but there was Zacchaeus. He pressed on up the tree, and he got his reward from Jesus. But, and I was thinking how Jesus pressed on when he wanted to reach me. That he pressed through. I, I, I was led to the Lord by my younger brother. Well, there's a problem. I'm an older brother. Excuse me. You know, you follow me. I don't follow you. Older brother pride. Do you have that at all? Older brother pride? No? Yeah? Well, um, anyway, I didn't want to follow him, so I argued with him, and I, and I argued with him for a long time. In the end, I started asking questions, and in the end, I started seeking a bit, but I still held off. God really had to press through and press. He took a year. He pressed through and he pressed through. God pressed through to me. God pressed through to you. But now it's our turn. It's our turn to press on and press in. And the, the, the goal of this is the reason that he caught hold of your life and not your next door neighbors, not those other people who are in your school with you, not those other people who are in your workplace, but you and me. And, and, and it talks in the Bible about how he has elected those that he wants to bring to his kingdom. What an incredible thing. Why did he choose me? Why did he choose you? Couldn't think of a possible reason why it might be, but he did. And he did it for a purpose. He did it to lay hold of you in order so that we could lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. You have a purpose in God. How wonderful and incredible is that? And it's the most important purpose in our lives and the one that we must do the most, pressing into. Um, and, and so we read on here that uh, Paul wanted to press on. Are we pressing on or do we get stuck? Do we find ourselves in an uphill struggle in our faith sometimes? That it gets hard. We'll keep pressing on. Do we find ourselves that we've got feet in boggy ground and it's harder work to get through? Well, press on. Do we find that sometimes we've lost our way? that we've done a bit of wilderness wandering, but keep pressing on because we are called overcomers in Christ, overcomers. We're not underwhelmers, we are overcomers. Jesus is the overcomer and he says, those who overcome, I will give the keys of life to keep going. Um, I'm always reminded of, um, who's watched Nemo? Nemo? You've got it. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Well, we do other things. We do a bit of cycling, and we do quite a lot of walking. So, oh, my goodness, the hills here, just keep cycling, just keep cycling, just keep walking, just keep, just keep pressing on. And are we doing that? That's our, our real challenge for today.
or do we get stuck? One of the things that I found is that sometimes when things get sticky, it's because God wants to do something different from the thing that I'm trying to attain. And I see this in Scripture as well. There was a time in Acts 16 when Paul was going through Asia Minor, what we call modern-day Turkey. He was going through Asia Minor in Acts 16, and he said he pressed in, and he had gone through Phrygia and Galatia, but the, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the word in Asia. So he tried to go to Mysia and then Bithynia, but the Spirit did not p- permit him. I mean, imagine saying to Paul, no, you can't preach the Spirit. You can't preach the gospel here, Paul. I mean, it doesn't sound right, does it? But the Spirit forbade him. And he must have wondered what was going on and why was this the case? Why couldn't he share the gospel? Why couldn't he preach? So because he couldn't do it to the north or the east or the south, he carried on west. And he got to the point where his toes were dipping into the Mediterranean at a place called Troas. And he couldn't go any further. Well, what's up, Lord? How can I press on when when I'm here? And then he got a vision from a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And you see, Macedonia, it was stepping into Europe. And Paul hadn't had that vision. He thought Asia Minor, you know, the the Holy Land and Asia Minor and a bit of Syria, Damascus. and, and, And that was his calling. He'd gone to all those places and he'd revisited them. No, Paul, you can't go any further there because I've got a bigger calling. I want to step into Europe. And when he did step into Europe, indeed Philippi, where this is written to, he then went on to Corinth and to Athens, so he'd gone through Greece. And on his fourth and final journey, where did he go to? Rome. Rome. What was Rome? Only the center of the world. Only all roads lead to Rome during the Roman Empire. So where did God actually put Paul in the end? In Rome. And so that as he taught there, All roads led to Rome, but all roads took out the truth and the word of God, as Paul had explained and taught it, over the whole world. It was a bigger calling. Indeed, Jesus himself, when he heard news that Lazarus, whom he loved, was ill, he said he stayed put for four more days. And he just stayed there, and his disciples were thinking, well, why aren't you rushing to Lazarus' side? And Martha and Mary said, Lord, when he did actually arrive four days later, if only you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. It wasn't a healing that Jesus was going to bring for. He was pressing on to something bigger. He was going to bring a resurrection that demonstrated the world that life had power over death. And that's a resurrection power that he wants us to live in every day. And so... Um, I've, I found this, and just by way of a, a quick testimony, I wanted to bring Redeeming Our Communities as a Christian charity to Plymouth. It had started in Manchester with Deborah Green, and then she'd launched it in Leicester and Leeds and Birmingham, and I thought, well, you're creeping south. How about Plymouth? How about Plymouth? And, and so I got in touch, and we made arrangements that there would be a launch in Plymouth, and uh, I did it with a team. Chris Cole was in in that team, actually, and you may know that he's in hospital and needs our prayers at the moment as well. What an awesome ministry he's had in the city and nation over these years. But he was in the team, and we arranged to meet the leaders of the four big churches, each with a congregation of about four or 500. And we thought, well, if we can get the four biggest churches on board, then that will be, you know, nearly 2,000 Christians, and we'll have a real groundswell of movement in the city. So we got them together, and we shared the vision of this launch, And they said, can't do that. We're far too busy. 
We've, we've used all our volunteers to, we help the homeless, we help those who are asylum seekers, we're trying to set up the food bank, we're doing, no, 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 can't do this. And I just went away, this real cold water experience. And, and, uh, and Chris came to me and he said, so are we not doing it? And I said, no, we're still doing it. And he says, well, I suppose there's, you know, 100 other little churches, we can go to them, miss out the big ones. But, um, but it was a real cold water experience. But Deborah said, well, if you could, could um, come up to Milton Keynes, we're doing an event there called Redeeming Our Community um, uh, People to uh, Ambassadors. And um, so, and she said, if you, if you get in uh, transport with people in Exeter, they can drive you the rest of the way. So I went up and I actually met in uh, Middlemore Police Headquarters with some Christian policemen who were going up to it but they'd gathered a group of people to go up to this event. And I said how I'd like to do this, but it's really not been very well received in Plymouth. And they said, well, we'd love it to happen. We'll bring a coach load from Barnstable. I'd love to bring some from Torquay. Yeah, we've got some in Exeter who would like to come. And I thought, Lord, it's bigger. It's not a city, it's a region. It's Devon and Cornwall. And I thought, well, that's going to cost a fortune. We're going to have to go to not a church. We're going to have to do, you know, if we're going to bring all those people, we have to book out the pavilions. Now, the pavilions for one night, those are 20,000 pounds. Well, you know, I'm not a 20,000 pounder, you know. I'm, I'm, that's not me. Um, but my little churches together in Plymouth invested 2,000 pounds in it. The... Um, the uh, Christian Police Association invested £2,000 in it. Um, we shared the vision with the police force, and they came and said, we'll put £5,000 towards your event. And then the fire service said, well, if the police are giving £5,000, we better give £5,000. So they gave £5,000. No time at all. There was £20,000 sitting there. It was bigger. Chris thought small. God thought big. Jesus and the disciples, not Jesus, the disciples were thinking healing. Jesus was thinking resurrection. Okay. If you're stuck, it might be because God is calling you to something bigger than you ever thought of or realized. One of the things he said when they built that second temple was, the glory of the latter days will be greater than the former. There are always, always, whatever age we are, there are always greater and better days lying ahead of us than were before us. And so we have this wonderful scripture about pressing on um, and a bigger vision um, and, uh, and not getting stuck in our failures or our successes because if we're stuck in our failures... Um, there, there's, there's the lie of fear which lives with us. If we're stuck in our successes, there's the lie of pride which lies with us. We lay it all aside for the excellency, the wonder of knowing Jesus Christ. Um, so, um, God's message to us is the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's what he wants us to do, to grasp that for which he has grasped us, to make his plan our passion that we will, that we will go for. And when it goes on to say, in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing, forget the things which are behind, reach forward to those that are ahead. One thing I do. 
And you may think, well, there's lots of things I have to do. I have to look after my family. I have to go to work. I've got things that I do in the community. I've got friends that I need to spend time with. Um, and then there's church, and there's God, and there's prayer time, and I've got to read the Bible. Sometimes. There's loads of things I've got to do. And this says no one thing. One thing. Why one thing? Because seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek First, the kingdom of God and the work, the family, the friends will all drop into place because we have put God first and we are pressing on in him. Don't drag the ball of chain of your past into your future. The past does not belong in your future, so don't drag it there. The past, we learn from experiences, we gain knowledge, we develop skills. This is all what God has done for our future, but we don't drag it in there. We want to be released from that. And it even says reaching forward. And some of your Bibles will say straining forward. It's more powerful. It's a straining forward that they do. And um, uh, a little while ago, I looked after my daughter and two grandchildren for a week. And they had dogs, which I walked. And one of them was called Frankie. And, And oh my goodness, it was a straining dog. I don't know if you've got a dog like that, but hold the lead, and it was so straining to get to the park that it only had back legs on the ground. And it, and it was straining forward all the way. Couldn't get far, because I was holding on to it. It wasn't too bad, because Frankie is short for Frankfurt. So this dog was a sausage dog. Poor little thing, it did not stand a chance. Talk about its past hanging on to it. I was on the lead, it wasn't going to get anywhere, but it didn't stop it straining. And oh my goodness, when I unclipped the lead, what a release. Like a rocket. It was gone to enjoy the park, to meet the other dogs, to go and see people, to get all the smells. It was such a release. Release ourselves from the past, our successes and our failures, because God wants us to press on into that greater future that he has for us, like that dear little Frankfurt who was so desperate to get free. God has set us free. But we need to set ourselves free and we need to press on because that is the greatest calling of our lives. And so uh, we we could just uh, think of that, press on. I press on towards the goal, it says in verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, Dave and I were very interested in goals yesterday, weren't we, Dave? Because for the first time, I am ashamed to say, for the first time in Plymouth, since I was 19, I went to watch Plymouth Argyle play. And they won. 2 0. They shouldn't have won, really, should they, Dave? Middlesbrough were the better team. Sunderland, even. Where did that come from? Thank you. Sunderland were the better team. So, yeah, you should know. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we were there. Sunderland were the better team. They had 70 or 80% of the possession. They absolutely kept the ball. They ran circles around Plymouth Argyle, but just a couple of times, Plymouth Argyle broke loose, went tearing up there, and put in such an excellent shot, it stranded the goalkeeper completely and scored a goal. How wonderful is that? What would a football match be like if there was no goalposts? Great bit of dribbling, a bit of passing, don't know where we're going. Looks good, but not going anywhere at all. What would a running race look like if there was no finish tape? Well, you'd go off running, but you wouldn't know where to go or when to stop. A goal is essential. 
And this goal that we have is the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Never a downward call, always an upward call. An upward spiral of joy, of ministry, of rest in the Lord, of seeing the great and powerful things he could do because we are living in resurrection life. That is our calling today. Press on for the prize of the upward school. Those footballers do it for a cup that can go in a trophy cabinet. They may do it, the runners for a medal. They could put it on their mantelpiece. They could hang it on their wall. But these are trinkets compared to the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus for us. Amen? Amen. Thank you.